for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. On our last show, we covered a whole slew of our listeners' what-if questions. And for today's show, it's part two, and the questions keep rolling in. Questions of all kinds, like what if elk are screaming yesterday in the same spot and it's crickets today? What if elk are only responding after dark? What if the wind is constantly changing directions? Or what if your diaphragm call gets stretched and sounds horrible and you're three miles from camp? And y'all, if the questions keep rolling in like this, Joe's already talking part three. So get ready. The boys are in the house and we plan on tackling those questions and many, many more. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by AllGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. First time with us. Glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host to your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, we got the whole crew in the house tonight. We've got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house, Mr. Luis Gonzalez and Manano Graterone. We've got the Flatlander in his house, in the house, Mr. Cole Wilkes himself and our elk hunting coaches out of Cimarron, New Mexico, WWJGD's in the house and the ninja, Leroy <laughs> Chavez. We're only missing the legend, R.C. Knox tonight, but we wish him well and uh, we'll see him in a future episode for sure. Ain't that right, Joe? Yeah, What's up, fellas? Yeah, he's on the road. And, what up? Um, it's one of those things, man, that we try not to go over six <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on this thing. Right. Things get a little bit crazy there. Uh, and Cole, Cole was, uh, gracious enough to fill in, man, for ride the horse for RC, man. And, uh, I, I feel honored <laughs> and really did a great job last week. I, I really, uh, enjoyed last week's show. I thought there was so much there, um, so much content. And, you know, I, I think, when people send in these things and listen, y'all, 
if you have what ifs, because they've been coming in and we're doing our best to hit these, we've got them on list. And if we decide to do another show in between, we're going to come back with what ifs because so you just send them to us. There's so many things that have happened to y'all out there and you're like, man, you know, and we talk about stuff and and you think to yourself, but what if this happened or what if that happened? Send it to us, man. We'll throw your what if on here. We'll have a discussion. That doesn't mean what we say is gospel truth or we know all the answers, but you will get our opinion from our experience and we'll go with that. Right. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you'll even hear us. I mean, I don't know if you listen to the last show, but you know, we go back and forth about, ah, but what about this? Well, that's really cool that way. So there's a lot of information that can be covered. So send those what ifs. You can send them to me, Joe, J-O-E, at elkbros.com. Okay? Send them up there. <laughs> hey, and we got both the mafia tonight. We do. We got Manano, Jordan, Don, and the leader in Katy, Texas, Luis Gonzalez. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> okay, Houston, Houston, we got a problem. Houston, oh, we have a problem. Jeez, that was cold, Beto. Hey, Beto. Love you. Well, now, uh, I figured I'd stir the pot you know, early, last, Joe. Last podcast, I uh, I just realized that Joe, by default, got uh, uh you know that the, when he got disconnected by, by default, he got like Luis uh, hooked up to, to the like as a host of the show. Yeah. So I mean, I just we just go in ranking order, bro. That's it. Right, I mean, right now, better. Okay, yeah, it, 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 definitely. I mean, it, it's you just got to know, you know that uh, you're last. That's uh, it. Well, usually <laughs> I, I'm not a you know the people that keep hard feeling, but uh, I'll I wrote it down, Joe and. You as well, Beto. That's <laughs> ah, all right, brother. I think I'll hey. live to see another day. So, Manano, let me teach you something about about American sports and how we feel about things. Is you got to have the point guard, right? But man, you need those guys banging the boards because that's where yeah. it's done, right there, right? So, <laughs> doing the heavy keep banging lifting. the boards, bro. <laughs> got to be a doer, Manano. You yeah, know, no idea what yeah. you just you're said. a doer now, brother. <laughs> yeah. He has no idea. Absolutely. What we just said. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know what's so funny yeah. is, um, it's really kind of cool because uh, uh, for our listeners out there, the bros, the elk bros this year, our crew is going to be hunting elk and moose at the same time in Canada together here in the beginning of September. Hey. And, uh, we're going to be hunting with our, uh, our Can-Am crew. We got Dylan, we got Travis, we got Brian, Brian, right? We got all these guys yeah. that are coming in to help us out. Daryl, these guys are helping us. They're going to be our partners. We're going to hunt with them. We're going to have a full camp. And so, because of that, we started a little WhatsApp group. Yeah, Can Am, <laughs> the Can Am Elk Bros. Loved it, right? And I, you know, as soon as I did it, right away, Manano and Luis start hammering these guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, man, I hope them boys don't wear their feelings on their sleeves. <laughs> but they're straight up hockey fans, man. Oh, they guys man. get below the belt. Hey, I, I loved it. I mean, right off yeah. the bat, I mean, I could see the same dynamics that we have sure. in, within right. our group. So I was like, man, this is going to be perfect. Well, yeah, yeah man. Mm-hmm. These guys are like, Americans, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. And Cole, you're heading to Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm headed to Oregon. Uh, we're going to be hunting the Roosevelt's. Uh, yeah, I Kick. can't wait for that. It's going to be super cool. 
Very cool. Yeah. Okay. What part of Oregon y'all going to be in? Coast. We'll be right on the coast, man. Oh, wow. Coastal yeah. cozies. That can be yeah. cool, brother. We've got some really, really cool, exciting things happening this season, man. And uh, whoever's in our coach hunt, we've got that locked in and ready. Um, we're getting ready to have our big giveaway for the hunt with the Elk Bros. And, uh, man, I tell you what, Drifter Trailers out of Georgia is partnering with us. And the winner of that is not only getting a tag and coming into camp and hunting with us and hunting with the other boys that we have in camp, but Steve out of Drifter Trailers, our man Steve is going to be driving an extreme trailer and delivering it personally at camp to the winner. A $20,000 camper is going to go to the winner. That's so, so cool, Joe. And that, that includes awesome. some of the coaches as well. <laughs> I'm putting in. Yeah, I'm putting in. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, man, uh, the stuff that Steve builds at Drifter Trailers is phenomenal. And it's so exciting that we're doing something at this level and that the individual that's going to be there is going to really come. They're going to come out with knowledge. They're going to come out with experience. They're going to be coached all that time prior to get there. And they're going to drive away in a camper. They're, they are going to have the hunt of a lifetime. And that's just really, really exciting, man. Joe, also, it's not really kind of in the script for us to talk about this, but I'm really taken aback by our brothers over at the Bow Hitch Mondo and the guys that are reaching yep. out and doing something every every day to pay it forward, right? And uh, this random act of kindness stuff, y'all got to go to yeah. Mondo, the Bow Hitch's IG uh, um, Instagram platform. Yeah, his Instagram platform and enter – uh, to win multiple prizes. I mean, it's some crazy stuff, like from a hunt for access on, in Maui or something like yep. that. I mean, in Hawaii. And then we, you know, here at, here at Elk Bros, we've thrown in our cow tag. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's a whole lot of really cool prizes. So if our listeners, man, really go check out Mondo and the Bow Hitch and get behind this random act of kindness. I've taken it upon myself every Thursday to do something really cool and, uh, try to help my fellow brothers out, no matter where we are in line, I'm going to help one of them out. So we're blessed to be where we're at. So we're going to try to pay it forward through these random acts of kindness. So, so I thought that was awesome that you said that, that a lot of times when you go on that, on that particular day and you're in line to pay for yours, you just pay for the person behind you, you know, yep. and, which is really, really awesome. And I took a jab at you because I said, yeah, now we know what sucks. It sucks to be two guys behind Gil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But, you know, I, it's the least I can do. And you know, we try to, and, and I've taught my kids this too, Joe. You know, we get a lot of people that we're here in the Houston area and they walk up to you and ask you for something. And everybody that's ever walked up and asked me for something, if I got it, I'm giving it. And some people call me crazy, but at the end of the day, the good Lord put them in your walk or your path and ain't up to me to, to worry about what they do with it. It's up to me to give it. So, um, it, so it that's is Gilbert at elkbros.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to be in person, Joe. Can't be sent. Don't be sending me all these emails and everything. Joe, you burn my email box up. I'm going to turn it on you, man. Uh, but look, I'm, I'm so down with the random act of kindness thing. Absolutely. That, 
Bondo and those guys yeah, are doing. Look, cool. he's got a great product too, guys. I mean, Karen, your bow sucks. I'm not just giving a shameless plug out there for him. I use the product and it is phenomenal um, as far as elk hunting goes. If you don't know what it is, check them out phenomenal on Instagram product. or go to thebowhitch.com. I mean, these guys are these guys are the real deal, and they're just such good people. And that is thebowhitch.com. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. I've been guiding for over 25 years and I've had guys show up that I'm guiding with slings and different carrying systems that I've told them to leave it in camp because too many times those systems have cost us opportunities. This is the first carrying system that I have and that I use because it is just so quick, easy, you know, um, you're not having to reach behind you. You're not having arrows fall off. You're not having to take something off of each of the wheels. I mean, it is just so good. It's quality, man. And it's something that it doesn't do anything to mess up your configuration of your bow to change it. It just falls in. It's light. It's easy to put on. It's a great product. And I tell you what, that thing's going to be like stabilizers one day. Everybody's going to have a bow. I agree a hundred percent, man. And just the good people that own the company and they're running the company. They yep. touch my heart every time they go and do something like this. So I just wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, well, like I said, man, this was straight off the cuff. So at the end of the day, Mondo, we appreciate you guys. Luis, why don't you get us started off in our Elk Bros mailbox, brother? The mailbox comes from David Shelton, Washington. Yeah, David from Shelton, Washington. Oh, my bad. Yeah, David from Shelton, it was Washington. It's okay. Yeah, yeah we, we actually <laughs> had a question from him last week, and he had another one that was really, really cool. And uh, I, we actually had a what if that came in similar to this, so this will be kind of cool. Go ahead, man. So he's saying we're, we are all non-residents to 49 states, and as such, we have to play the game to get tags outside of our home state. I recently tried my luck with Idaho on December 1st uh, with everyone else. My experience did not go that great. I tried to log in for, for over an hour, and when I finally got through, I was 30,000-plus in line. And at that point, I knew I was not getting a tag this time. I would like to contact the Idaho Fishing Game and vent a little, but ultimately – Ask if they are working on fixing the experience on the website for the next year. Do you think there is any point in doing so? What would you guys do? I know that as a non-resident, Idaho Fish and Game doesn't have to answer to me and my concerns. Or do you think it can actually have an impact if enough of us contact them? What do you think, Cole? You hunted there this past year. Yeah, man. I mean, it's so tough. I was just uh, talking about this earlier because, uh, I was actually not informed about Arizona changing their rules. And just Monday, I went to go online and purchase a coos deer tag and they, they changed their, the way you have to buy a OTC tag there now. Um, <clears throat> and they were completely sold out. Whereas just two years ago, you know, I went and hunted and, and had a great time. Uh, but, yeah, man. Do you think as a non-resident dude, you asking or giving complaints or anything like that is going to have an effect? Yeah, man. I think we're, I think we all need to say something because you're right. Like yeah. it, 
I want to hunt every state in the nation and it's getting harder and harder for me to do that every year um, because of the way some of these systems are set up and stuff. Um, I mean, but that being said, I had that same exact experience last year in Idaho and a week later, everybody that, that ended up getting a tag that wasn't that great ended up turning those tags back in and then Idaho fishing game, put them back on the website and I, I, I actually saw myself, um, over 300 different tags that I could have chose from, you know, across the state. Um, that being said, they were not, you know, they're not anything special. They weren't sought after tags. They were very rough units and, and with very low density of animals. Um, but the opportunities are still there. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's the luck of the draw. Maybe next year you might be, you know, the thousandth dude in line, you know. Yeah. Um, so well, it, that's just, yeah, that's happening everywhere. Yeah, but I think a big part of what's happening, we're like we see prices increasing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we see opportunity going mm-hmm. less. We see where basically a lot of this, and when you do that, when you make less opportunity, then it's become supply and demand, and then prices start actually jacking up. And I, I mean, the prices I've seen hunts go to in the last three years, and what it's done is unbelievable. You know, I, people now are paying the same amount just for a tag, just for a tag, a landowner tag or a tag to hunt that they were paying for a guided hunt. Fully guided you know? hunt. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, or right at it, man, with no room for any kind of ceiling on, you know, for anybody making any money <clears throat> actually putting the work in. So I really, you know, when I see something like this, David, I, I think that other states don't necessarily listen to, um, David or Joe or, or, uh, Luis or any of us. I think they listen to Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. And money talks and BS walks. I think when people quit using their system, when people and they see all of a sudden their revenue, because the amount of revenue that goes into states from out of state hunter is phenomenal. And I mean, and it just doesn't impact just the, the people that are guiding and stuff. It impacts the hotels, impacts the grocery stores, the, the, the gas, gas um, down the road, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, the, the Walmarts, the, the, um, mm-hmm. sporting goods places, you know, everybody, yeah, utilizes everything. The, what's that? Yeah. Mom and pop restaurants. Yeah. It, 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 it affects everything <clears throat> that we do. We go spend money to go eat and drink and, you know, do whatever well, how, we're doing in between. And let me ask you how much you spend in ice alone at a convenience store, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And ice alone, it'll cost you over 120, 150 bucks by the time you're done. And that's, that's going into those local areas. So honestly, for me, I would just tell people, man, if you're fed up with that, the best way to send a message is anytime that you buy something or do something like that, you're voting. You're voting and giving either an affirmation or not. And when they start seeing things, you know, go down and does that mean that people are going to lose opportunities to hunt? Absolutely. But I got news for you. If we keep going in this direction, you're going to lose those opportunities to hunt because right now Absolutely. every state is becoming me and mine, you know? Yep. Um, and so as they make that 
you know, opportunities smaller and smaller and smaller, there's two effects that happen with that. Um, what I've seen a big effect is a lot of people go, well, we don't want the non-residents coming in. You know, we want everything for the residents. So when you start denying that opportunity, you have people that become residents of those states that were not. And you can see it happening all over the West, New Mexico, different places where the population in those elk states are exploding so that people can have opportunities for the type of passion and recreation that they do. So, you know, that's a, I, I, I don't know that. I don't know how much unless, you know, everybody started hammering some of these places at the same time, right? Well, I can tell Mr. David if it makes him feel better, do it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So if it makes you, makes you feel better, man, be professional and be nice. Don't send no nasty grams to them. But, man, you know, let them, let them know how you feel. I mean, it can't hurt. Yeah, I agree. It uh, can't hurt. Yeah, I can't hurry. Just be be professional and be respectful. respectful. Let them know how you feel. I mean, you know, if it, it'll make you feel better. Feedback. So, do you, do we think it's going to make a difference? Don't know. Be sure, heck, you know, if you don't do it, you won't ever know. Yeah, and the thing that that drives me nuts about like what Idaho's doing is they call it OTC, and it's not OTC, man. I mean, mm-hmm. um, no. no matter what time Left you log OTC. in. Left over OTC. Well, and no matter what time you log in, you're given a random number that puts you in a line. That's a lottery, basically. Yeah, it's not it OTC, man. You know, That's right. I wish they'd go back to everything, um, get it off of the, the computers and have it uh, in the stores where people wait in line and go and buy their licenses, man. I wish they'd go back to yeah. that. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros shout-outs. If you're new to our show, this is just shout-out to our followers from our cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Yep, and first, guys, um, I wanted to do this here. I want to personally thank all of you that have taken the time to help us by subscribing and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, I know some people have left some on some other formats too, um, but Apple Podcasts is the, is the one that really helps us out a lot um, because it's easier to do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and actually, I think 90% of listeners are actually using Apple <laughs> on that. Wow. So um, I wanted to thank you guys because you do not know how important those reviews are to our show. Show's growth and how much we appreciate you being able to help us help you. You know, it's your way of personally interacting with us. It's your way to help us build listenership, to make us credible. Um, it's your way to let us know whether or not what we do is of value. And that's something that we talk about all the time, you know, because of the time we put into it. So from the bottom of our elk hunting hearts here at Elk Rose, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? Um, And so with that said, a huge shout out to those listeners that have taken the time and leave us review an Apple podcast, Hunter022. He said that even after hunting, this was so cool, man. Even after hunting and guiding with his cousin and best friend, Mark, hunting elk for 36 years, they not only love the stories, but he feels that he learns something every time from listening. And that's a huge compliment when you get that, man. He says he gets excited and he, you know, he hears a nugget and calls him, hey, man, we got to try this and stuff. So, 
That's pretty cool. And Jim Coyle, the YOL hunter, Jim is, you know, I'm going to give you a salute, Jim. Um, he said to us, thanks for all you do. He has fun listening. And he said, boys, just keep grinding, man. And then long life. Amen. Yeah. yeah amen. Long life. Long life. <laughs> he says that our show is amazing. It's so much help to a first generation hunter that the information he has learned is invaluable because now he feels like he can actually take his own kids into the woods and, and feel like he knows something can pass that on that passion. So I wanted to thank those three people, man. And, uh, so let's head over to our, um, to our top listening cities and Cole, you kick it off for us, man. Heck yeah. Well, y'all known as Hub City, uh, this week's top listening city is the location of Tulatin Valley's Beervana with several craft beer brewery, breweries, uh, on the city's east side, Roloff Farms and a, uh, amusement park like farm in the destination, uh, for thousands of fans of TLC's reality show. Little people, big world in Hillsboro, Oregon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's crazy. Little people, big How world. How many little people are in that big, big world big. over there? <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. You'd be surprised. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Northwest Coast showing up. How many do you think elk hunt? Elk hunt. <laughs> kind of people. Give us a shout out, Hillsboro. Yeah, thanks, Hillsboro. Okay, second city. This southwest suburb of Chicago was the earliest and most important steelmaking community in the Chicago area. It still manufactures automobile body stamping, railroad freight cars, and auto parts. And this is in Palos Heights, Illinois. Palos Heights, Illinois, in Palos the house. Heights, Illinois. Man, from Midwest I, comes in. Well, I haven't told you, man. I think Chicago is always like in our top five listeners. Yeah, there's a lot of people there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's just right off there. So that's that's awesome, man. Not to be mistaken for its namesake, in Massachusetts, this city is a commercial hub and money magazine's best place to live in 2020, home to America's Stonehenge. Stone, Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. Yeah. A stone structure of disputed origin that is most likely the oldest man-made constructions in the U.S. This is not of, uh, Salem, New Hampshire. <laughs> Salam Aleikum. No, that's Salem, Salem. bro. Salem. <laughs> yeah. Salem. Salam Aleikum. Salam Aleikum. Yeah. Salam. Salem. Salem, man. Salem. Salem. And, and that's what he said. Not not Salem, Mass, but Salem, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Right yeah, not- yeah. And I don't know if any – I had no idea. Had anybody else heard about America's Stonehenge? No. 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 Check it out. So. Yeah, yeah. Look it up and I go up there, that. man. Um, like over 4,000 years old yeah. this is. And – just like Stonehenge in England, England, it was built by ancient people, and they actually use it as a calendar. It was and still can be used to determine specific solar and lunar events of the year. Yeah, if I didn't have a cell phone, I wouldn't know what day it is, man. <laughs> Anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> well, guys, the next uh, top listening city, once known as Never Sweat, due to the fact that the atmosphere and the climate 
were such that no matter how hard you worked, you would never sweat. Wow, I don't know if I could have that happen for me, Joe. No. <laughs> I was just thinking. Wow. It's located 20 miles from the Grand Teton National Park and 90 miles from Yellowstone Park in Du Bois, Wyoming. Du Bois, Wyoming. Wyoming. Wyo in the house. Yes, sir. Hey. And that, if you guys have never been to the Grand Teton National Park or Yellowstone, one of the most in Glacier National Park. I mean, all of those parks up there are some of the most beautiful places in, in the United States. That's for sure. Incredible fishing. Yes. Fishing is just mm-hmm. outstanding. But I know, Gil, what do you say we take a trip up there and see if we can sweat? <laughs> I guarantee <laughs> you, I can, brother. I guarantee you, boy. Me and my wife camped at Jenny Lake right there at the bottom of the Tetons, Tetons and yeah. Uh, we hiked up a pretty good ways up to these falls, and I guarantee you, I sweat the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, but I, I can. Uh, I remember September sixth, twenty nineteen. It snowed like six inches up there in where we were hunting in New Mexico, and I'm telling you, I sweat like crazy going out there hunting in that snow. I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna sweat." Oh my gosh, dude, it was crazy, man. And it was in the twenties, in the teens that, yeah. that day, you know. Crazy. I just, I don't know, man. I'm built for it. Well, but you know, like a lot of people, and I'm not just saying this as you, Gil, but I do know this too. Like I tell people, whenever you get up in the morning, whatever you're wearing around camp, before you head out, you better take off two layers because whatever you need to be warm when you're in camp and sitting still and, and not doing anything, once you start getting out there and that, that heat, that furnace comes on and she's man. Yeah, I mean, we were, when we were traveling mostly about an hour to go to our hunting area last year, Joe, I'd have to carry a jacket with me to ride, you know, to ride in the side by side because, you know, just for the drive. But when I get there, I'd peel all that stuff off to go get off and it was still cold, but I'd have to peel all that junk off and leave it there in the bike because I mean, I, I tried it the first morning. I like to die. I was so hot. Had to pack all that stuff on my back in about 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. I guarantee you, man, once you start going up your first incline, temperatures change real quick. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, let's right, get guys, to the, let's main, get the content main content, content. the what ifs, brother. Yep. Who, who wants to start us off, man? I'll start us off with the first one that yeah, uh, we got. And it says, what if you are set up with a bull responding, but your location and shooting lanes are bad? Well, the, the obvious answer would be to uh, – Move your location. Yeah. You know, Move quickly. And, uh, several reasons for that. And I think everybody can probably give us a reason for that. So, uh, I know, uh, sometimes you want to be above them, sometimes below them. Uh, so what do you guys think? What, what would be, uh, a better location? Well, I think the problem I've seen wind. with people is, is, well, the wind, of course, is what, part the, of the, the wind. Issue. Yeah. Right. But I think what happens and why this what if question is a lot of people, once they get set up, they just stay there, man. And they just they just insist that they're going to bring the animal their way to a certain point. But, you know, or or, you know, um, their shooting lanes are bad. Maybe they see the animal coming and they're worried that if they try to move, that it's going to booger that critter. Right. Mm hmm. Well, I have to move. I mean, I think Joe, we, uh, you know, this this past season, mm-hmm. you know, the, the only shot I had um, is, 
you know, I was, we were behind a bunch of trees, right? And, um, you know, we had to kind of move. You had to move to the side of the tree and I had to move below some branches um, to try to get a, ch- a shot. And yeah. th- all that while the animal was coming in. Yep. And so, and uh, I think that's a huge mistake when guys do not move because they lock up. They're worried about, <clears throat> you know, well, if that animal sees me that they're going to go off. Well, it does not matter. Right. It doesn't matter if that animal walks off or not because it's going to be the same situation if you don't have a shooting. Yeah, you're going to get right. the same result of not right. getting a shot. But in, the, in the thing terms. is, too, you, you can always you can always really kind of watch the behavior of the animal and then see when it's behind mm-hmm. where its when visibility is getting blocked. You know, if it's going behind a pine tree, if it's going uh, through an air, and then make the move while you know he can't see you. Um, right. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've always, take those opportunities. I've always liked to move when the animal's moving. Moving, yeah. Right. And, and, you know, don't get spun out if he does see you. Cause I'm telling you, they're going to react to that movement, but don't get spun out. I mean, I was on a coach tough this year with Mr. Tom Roth and the bull caught Tom moving the first time he came in. He caught him moving and he boogered. I said, man, get in here. We got to change our setup. Get in here tighter to this cover. I'll call him back. And he looked at me and he goes, there's no way you're calling that bull by. I said, I'll get in here. I'm going to call him back. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, he didn't know what we were. He just saw some movement, right? right? He didn't smell us. He he didn't know exactly what we were. He just kind of boogered because of the movement with Tom moving. I said, get in here tighter to this cover. We put him back in there, and, man, it didn't take me, you know, four or five more little chuckles in a in a couple long lost cow calls, and he was right back in the middle of our set, you know. He, he knew there were elk in that area, but he saw something he didn't like moving, but I didn't – I didn't lose hope. I mean, you can, you can, you can lose hope and boo, boo all about it, but you got to know that he blew out of there. Yeah. Cause he saw something funny, but he can still hear he's going to come back, especially younger bulls. Right. right. So there uh, was a hunt that. with you and me, Gil, when I had a decoy up and here are these two <laughs> big dudes hiding behind this decoy. I, I mean, I, there's no way he that got, that critter couldn't see I one got of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, uh, you know, I'm going, Gil, you got a shot. And he's like, no, I'm holding the camera. You shoot. And I'm like, no, man, I'm looking here. You shoot. We're both trying to film and everything <laughs> like that on it. We're and talking to one another. And the bull's are right talking. there. The bull walks away and comes back four times. Four times, yeah. Four times within four times. 40 yards, man, uh, because of what we were doing there. So, yeah, you three can. Seasons, three seasons ago, the day before we showed up to camp in Mexico. <laughs> That's when it was. Yes. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was just me and Joe. Uh, we'd gone up, gone up there and, Man, I'm telling you, anytime you get to spend time with a legend like Joe Gillia and call and be next to him, and I mean, it was just crazy. We got so entrothed in the whole daggum fiasco that we had going on that neither one of us killed the bull, man. We actually <laughs> called a really big bull in during the set, and we were after him. Really big. And, 
really, yeah, really big, really big seven by seven. And and these other youngsters got in the set. And look, you, you know, Big O ain't gonna daggum give nobody no no rope. I'm shooting you if you're coming in. But we got so involved in filming and me filming him with the decoy and shoot, I wasn't even worried about shooting the bull. I'm like, well, Joe's fixing to kill one of these guys. And he looks at me, he goes, go ahead, take the shot. I'm like. I don't even have my bow up, man. Video in this thing. You get the shot. Yeah, I'm on your six. He's like, oh no, man. He goes, I'm I'm way too wore out for holding this decoy up. (laughs) It was a it was a big time, but man, you can always get that bull back, man. I'm don't worry about moving. Yeah, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna set up uh, and call a bull, you know, you should be aware of your setup. Right. You know, you yes. can't call a bull across the meadow. I know Joe and Gilbert did that once, but most people can't do that. <laughs> right. So be aware of where you set up. I mean, if yeah. you're going to sit down and set up, you know, just look around you and, and, and see if it's a good but, situation or not. But the issue is it can become dynamic. Like, you know, we Damn. hear this yeah. bull is coming from a direction. Next thing we know, he's off to our right circling in. And we're like, crap, man, I had perfect lanes right here. And that bull's over there now. Well, guess what? Unless you mm. do not want an opportunity, you got to make a move. It's just yeah. that easy. I don't even like to set up until I think I'm fixing to get busted, if that makes right. any sense. Yeah. Oh, it does like, make I'm always sense. looking and being like, oh, I can get there. Oh, I can get there. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to advance and knowing that I'm, you know, I'm making sure I'm undercover the whole time I'm moving. Um, and then like a setup is literally like he's, I think he's fixing to be in my lap. And then, you know, I'm, and then I make my setup. Uh, but it makes, it, it's a big difference too, though, whenever you have, if, uh, if you're a solo or if you're hunting with a partner, because yes. with a partner, man, you can get your partner to drop back and right. get way back behind you. And just start fading off. And next thing you know, he pulls the bull right past you versus being solo. You don't have, you know, you've got to kind of get creative to make that situation happen like that. Well, I want to kind of say just the opposite of what you did is that like, it's kind of cool. You said, I don't even set up until, you know, I'm almost busted. And I'm almost, I almost think of it the other way is that I set up almost every time that I stop. I'm always aware of branches, what's behind me, where I can possibly yeah. shoot. And, but I'm also like what you're saying, man, it's dynamic. I know that I might have to bounce and yeah. I might have to bounce up to the next spot, to the next area. And I mean, even when I stop to call, I'm always making sure I'm in the shadows. I always make sure even when I'm calling, especially if I'm in thick stuff that I've got area, you know, room enough to shoot because I've had so many bulls surprise me that you're not expecting a right on top of you when you start calling. So, yeah, yeah it, it's the yeah, same idea. Yeah, they just all of a sudden pop up. Yeah, yeah. same idea, just expressed yeah. two different ways, right? Yeah. yeah. I, th- yeah. I think Joe made a Joe made a, a point that I'm not sure if we've talked about, you know, when you're uh, walking and you're going to stop to call, stop and make sure you're in the shade. It makes yes. it a lot more don't, difficult don't be, for those LTCs. Yeah. You know, don't be, don't be so out in the sunlight. In the sunlight. Yeah. yeah, understand yeah. that you're in when you anytime you stop to call, you're being you're an animal pulling here. an animal to you. So you are actually in a dynamic setup every yeah. time that you do that. When Anna likes to light up as a light bulb or never shine. I learned that lesson. <laughs> Look, I I would have never killed the first bull I ever killed in my life. If Joe would have not moved us, I mean, we got the bull coming, right? And we literally sprinted, dude. We literally sprinted. 
We did a good long ways too. I mean, luckily it was downhill, but at the at the end of the day, it was a hike, dude. And there were there were all kinds of laydowns. We were jumping over and everything. But Joe goes, I know where that bull's going. He's going to water. We, he's coming. We need to make the move now. And we literally sprinted for I don't know seventy. We were probably yards. parallel to that bull making all that racket too. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I'm sure if he was had to turn and look to, through the woods, he'd probably seen us running down through there. But I mean, we ran down through this clear cut, dove into a a big daggum uh, downfall, uh, oh, you know, a dead deadfall. We dove in it, and uh, luckily we had that decoy up on the hill, and the bull cleared the obstacle. And when he cleared that obstacle, man, he was looking dead up on that hill at that decoy. And Joe made a sweet little cow sound. But if we don't sprint all that way and do what we need to do, I don't ever kill that first bull, Yeah, you know? So yeah, man, if you got a bad location and you feel like your shooting lanes are bad, brother, get on your horse, make it better. I got one here that I'm reading that really resonates with me, but I'm not going to say any names. Uh, it says, what if your partner Manano is horrible at calling, but you need him to pull a bull by you for a shot? Uh, hunt with big O. <laughs> you know, I heard Manano making some noise this year, and I think he's got it down, man. I think he can make oh, yeah. the cow sounds, man. Uh, I think he's got it going on, man. Absolutely, uh, bro. Sure, no, but so. you know, you know how he's. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I always hear people saying that they don't want to call because they're not good at it. Now, when I hear that, I think that number one, they don't feel like they can bugle well or they don't feel like they can cow call well. That's right. because that's what 90% of the people are doing. They're bugling, they're cow calling. And what I'd like to tell somebody in that situation is, is man, make sure that your partner learns that there's other noises that he can make that he can just do with his voice. Um, he can rake a tree. You know, he can roll some rocks. He can make some pants and he can make some moans and groans. And I mean, there's a lot of noises that you can do that are very easy. And they're also low audible noises that will pull an animal to you. So, um, Look, about raking. Partners, raking, Look, yeah, that's what raking I said. for sure. And, and if your partner you feel like is not good enough with a diaphragm call or an external, man, you know, the good old hoochie Chima. mama is out there, baby. And you can send that thing anytime you want to. It makes good sound, good tone. There's been a million elk killed with one of them. And I'm telling you, you know, you, your partner, if he doesn't want to help you, it's just because he not looking for the right reasons to help you, man. Uh, because there's, there's stuff out there that he can't help you with. Even if y'all get split up and you feel like, Hey man, I need some help. I mean, use that hoochie mama and just start hoochie mama and his way away from you like a lost cow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, things are going to happen. You know, um, I wouldn't get too spun out with that because there, there are so many ways for y'all to make the right. And listen, I'm going to tell y'all right now. I've heard some really horrible elk calls <laughs> and they were from elk and mm-hmm. it sounded horrible. Right. And I've heard some really horrible people using a diaphragm and it still called in elk. So I was about to say that we have encountered, I don't know how many hunters in the wood and uh, <laughs> I, I would say the vast majority of them 
you can tell right away that's a human. So yeah. they, they don't, they don't sound like an elk and they're still right. calling elks. Yes. Now, Keep I'm working. Well, Keep no, working. no, you can, you can call me anytime you, you want to practice. Yeah. Don't let me. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about you calling, but I I definitely know you can carry a, a whole elk out of the mountains oh by God. yourself. One of, the, one of the best elk callers in the country. I liked one on here. I'll throw it out there. Right. Uh, I think this is pretty cool. Um, what if you had to limit yourself to five items in your pack? What would they be? Wow. That's a great question. Uh, so I'm going to throw my five out there real quick. Um, I think I'd for sure have, uh, my knife. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have a compass. I'd have a tarp. I'd have my water bladder. And then, uh, last thing, I'd probably have something to eat, like a snack. That's what I'm taking. Dig. Of course, I'm carrying my bow and then I have yep. my backpack to carry my elk out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm good. And you had the, so, I so would, you said food, carry... water, compass, knife, and, what was the other one? Uh, uh, a tarp. 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 Instead of no. like rain gear or something like that, I could yeah. like make okay. a shelter. So you're pretty yeah. close to what I would say almost anybody. Lighter, else? number one. Why? Water. Fire. Yeah. Fire. To okay. Make fire. Fire. Lighter. Okay. I can make fire with my knife. Go ahead. Yeah. Not, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, your skill doing it. I, I would, I would use like a Joe's <laughs> lighter, the, the 30 cents order. Cent. Yeah. So yeah, lighter, definitely water. Mm, uh, my knife, of, of course. Um, communication. I'm sure. Um, my hammock. <laughs> I don't care about it. Like, or, you know, so we had yeah. you had lighter knife, something to communicate with, right? Yes. Now you could probably get away with that being either uh, on the outside of your pack or on your person on that one. And then you said your hammock, which I, I think is pretty huge myself. But yeah, and uh, <laughs> and last one, um, I would carry a, a, a huge body cord, like a. Paracord. Little rope. Yeah. Of food. Mm, I'm a hunter, bro. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Make fire and cook it up. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I, I'm a hunter. Uh, are you? I'm a hunter. I dig it. Anybody else, man? Man, I'll have to start with the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, the kit. You gotta have man pond. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you though, dude, man, because I, I I would cheat quite a bit because I got pockets on my britches. Yeah, I can carry. All I was gonna pockets. say, man, I'll just give me a bigger pack. Yeah. <laughs> if you can only carry five items, man, you might want to invest in a bigger pack, brother. That's right. Luis, man, <laughs> Luis is like that ant that you had with the, with the giant purse, you know, where yeah. you can go, uh, you know, you can go to that game. Um, what is that? Uh, let's make a deal. And they're like, okay, I'll give somebody, if you have like a thumbtack that's bent to the right, Luis would be, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about the guy from the globe trotters, the, the guy with the big uh, hair, hair uh, uh, would just pull the stuff out of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say so, I, I probably have more more than five things just in my bino harness. 
But that's what I'm saying is like if I had to do stuff in my pack, what's actually in my pack or on my yeah. pack, right? Is yeah. and I'm pretty close. Like I've got to have my poncho. My poncho does a lot of things. It's for rain. It's for a lot of things like that. I have to have my knife. Um, I'm gonna have two flashlights in there, you know, that has that. Um, I'm in my, so I've got food, water, um, two flashlights and my knife in, in my pack, or I can even do my person, but in my pockets and, in different things, like I always have in one side of my pocket, I always have my compass and my phone in one for my commu- communication. In my other pocket, I always have my, um, uh, wind indicator wind. in that yeah. pocket. And then in my side pockets, I'll have things like my extra gloves and, you know, my hat and, um, net gator and stuff like that. Stuff that constantly are going on and off. Yeah, my nana would have all of those things in my pack. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> slavery. Uh, slave. But dude, I definitely the TP, have, TP's yeah. got to be in there, man. Yeah, I definitely have water. I definitely have my knife. I would have, uh, of course, my form of communication would be on the outside. Yeah, your Zolio. Um, yeah, my Zolio or my phone be in my pockets on the outside. Uh, and I would definitely, if I'm carrying a phone where I'm using it for navigation, I would have a battery, battery. backup and a cord that fits for it. So, <laughs> um, and then again, you know, if I needed to carry something to make fire with, I can put it in my front pocket or my bellows pocket. If I have food, um, I, water, I, I'm I good. Wear, yeah, I always wear a vest, so I've got many pockets to put things in uh but yeah if i can only carry those five and what about the uh the your good stuff better yeah but but you know i can carry that in my front bellows pocket on my left leg your flask yeah you know i can carry it in my in my vest pocket right here man it's it's interesting what manano said about a lighter because um I've, I always carry two lighters in my pack in case one for emergency purposes. They're only 99 cents, a little Bic lighters. I've never understood the, the whole knife and everything like that because I'm like, well, why don't I just light it with a lighter? You know, it just made more sense mm-hmm. to me than doing right. that. But, um, but in 35 years, I've never used one of my lighters during yeah. my, well, beta use it. This, yeah, this season. Yeah, you you used it once, Joe. I did. Yeah, when he, when he was yeah, bragging. we borrowed it from you too. He actually. was bragging about it. <laughs> but I mean, like in an emergency <laughs> yeah, situation. Yeah, you guys used it because they they had some frayed line, and they pulled yeah, out their forty dollar lighters, and they were like, "Yeah, watch this." And so <laughs> Manano's like, "Oh, you're so bad." He pulls it. Watch this. And I pulled out my ninety nine cent pick. <laughs> yeah, last year was the first year I used my my jet lighter and my and also I used one of the little uh, fire starters that uh, I got and man it worked like a charm. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. 
Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. Okay. What if the wind is constantly changing direction? Well, that's a, that's a bad situation to be. But it's, it happens the whole time. I mean, all the time. All the time. how yeah. many times yeah. have you yeah. been all like, okay, well, I'm walking this way to get the wind right. And then I turn and I go the yeah. other way and the wind goes the other way. Just, yeah. Especially in that particular hour between 9.30 and 10, where it's getting, you know, hot, the, yeah, the wind start, you know, changing the, the thermals and that the hour is just the, the, the thermals. The thermals. Oh, of, the thermals. <laughs> Oh, don't come. make fun of me, Joe, please. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> I love it, man. The thermals and the turtles. Yeah. That's no, the thermals. The thermals. Yeah. yeah. So that's that always changing just... about that time of the day. You know, okay, so I almost get to the point sometimes when it's doing that constantly. It depends. If I'm moving and trying to still locate animals and the wind is constantly changing, I don't worry about it that much because it's doing the same thing around the animals. And I do not, I think elk really get uncomfortable when the wind is constantly changing like that. Um, because it's, it's struggle for them and they smell something. They don't know which direction I've actually had elk in front of me at a hundred yards that caught my wind. And ended up I'm running straight to me. Yep. Because mm-hmm. the way the wind kept swirling, they couldn't tell which direction was and they ended up coming to me. Yep. So it's, uh, I, just totally because, different if you're working in on a bull and, right. and you know, you've got him pegged and the wind's wrong, man, you got to wait until it's right or back out. Yeah. Or like right. if they're betting. You know, yeah. and I know they're in an area and the wind's doing that. I'm going to stay away until I get that wind to calm down and towards the evening or afternoon so that it doesn't blow them out. But if I'm just working through an area and trying to find it, a lot of times I just keep going, man, and 
just bite the bullet. If the wind gets in steady, then of course I want to work with the wind either at a crosswind or in my face or something like that. But you know, I, I feel your pain. There was one day I, Manano and Luis were with me. It seemed like we walked for three hours in all different directions. And it seemed like every time we turned and went one way, the wind switched, right? Oh, Joe, that's just because you suck at geometry, man. <laughs> yeah, round and round and round. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing, too, is winds in the mountains, Yeah, it, it can be yeah. different on one side of the hill than it is right. over here, right? No doubt. You yeah, because it bends it. It bends the wind. The shape of the the, yes. the shape of the mountain, the shape of the way the trees are. I mean, it kind of bends the wind. It's pretty wild for well, sure. Well, how many times have you gone up one side of a ridge with the wind at your back, and you get over and you get on the other side? Now the wind's in your face. Face, yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but that's yeah. just how it works. Just like the wind, how it flows through those hills sometimes. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel your pain with that one. All right, I got one. And this has happened to me so many times um, that we actually developed a lot of our skill sets. You know, you've been hunting, you've been working an area, you're seeing sign, and you've been calling. You get no response, get no response of any kind, or an animal hasn't come in. And then it starts to get dark, and within 150 yards of you, a bull screams off, you know, mm-hmm. or they wait till right after it gets dark before they start sounding off, yeah. you know. Hey, have you guys had that happen? For sure. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So <laughs> what if elk are only responding after dark? Well, I mean, get a good spotlight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're so bad. Yeah. Get that one-eyed beagle out. I mean, I don't know what that is. No. Uh, hey. <laughs> joking, guys. Just a joke. If you uh, – I mean, if you if you're able to pinpoint the area, put them to bed. Uh, yeah, to them in just, the morning, babe. They're right, still there. Right. That's that's one option. The other option, if you can come back, but then you know they're responding vocally, but doesn't necessarily mean they can't respond by coming in and checking out and being curious, right? So, right. Um, you know. I would highly uh, discourage calling him in. <laughs> you know, it's going to be Oh, dark. yeah, after oh, dark. No, oh, not, yeah. not at dark, but what I'm saying yeah. is once you have that area, you know, identified. Yeah, but you see this. You see this all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like, look at the look at what happened to us a couple of years ago in, in Colorado. You know, there was elk everywhere, and the sign was everywhere. And, like, vocally, for the most part, it was just like, Super early in the morning or Mute. right whenever the sun was going down, right? They would just go mm-hmm. crazy. You're right. Um, so I think you need to, you really need to look at your maps at that point and see what areas that you're missing and see where are the potential like hiding spots that these animals are going to be. They're just tucked into these little nooks and crannies, crannies. during the day that they can hide from the pressure. Um, so they've got to be there somewhere and then. Agree. I think once you key in on that super press sign, then you need to just start, uh, you know, setting right. up and doing a little slow play. Back then in Colorado, they were responding not by making sounds, but they would come in silent. They were they were yes. coming in silently. Yeah. I mean, the I, I know the 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 cow the cow that Manano killed 
came in silent. The bull I killed came in silent. Yeah. Um, well, no, I take that no, back. no, 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 no. I yeah, take that yeah, back. Yeah, that yeah, bull, yeah. that bull actually responded. Um, he was responding to my calls. But the bull, the bull that Beto killed came in silent. Yeah. Well, he, he bugled once, but he was a pretty good ways out. And then we didn't hear him again for 45 minutes, you know, and, uh, he just, it took him that long to figure out where we were and come on in there. But when he walked into the set, he didn't make a peep. Right. You know? And, uh, I mean, just think about how many bulls and cows Chav saw. And he was in a little spot that was really close to everybody. And, uh, I mean, and they weren't making any sounds, were they, Chav? No, uh-huh. they all came in silent. And to Cole's point, it's like, I mean, obviously you're seeing the sign, they're there. Yeah. Um, just kind of identify where that is and then, you know, understand that they may still come in silently even if they don't respond. Well, there's some other reasons they could be not responding too. I mean, it could be that early part of the season where they just not feeling it so much. Yeah. So, um, there could be things that you could do tactics to try to pull them using certain types of scenarios. It could also be that you've got really, really hot weather. And so they're waiting till it's cooled down. You know, they're being lazy in their bed and not really doing sure. anything until then. You know, so um, if that's the case, uh, like Luis said, man, I, I'd mark where that booger is back out on it, and I'd be on it first thing in first the morning night. when it's nice yeah. and cool, and he's going to, you know, be getting after it. The other thing could be is because it's a full moon situation, and so – um, and you know, you could add any of that stuff into it. And so they're coming out a little bit later, become a little nocturnal because of that, you know, but again, that's a great situation to mark where they're at and to get on them first thing in the morning. And it doesn't mean you have to kill that bull in the morning. You can put that bull to bed, you know, as long as that bull's sounding off is again, depending on time of year. Right. Yep. Depending on what's happening, if he's with cows, if he's without cows, if he's loaning it, there's a lot of variables to that. But there's a lot of reasons why that bull could be waiting till it gets dark. Either it's just too hot or he's not hot or, you know, he's going to he's coming out um, late because he's, you know, he's got all night to be screaming. Right. So I think I think that partially answers to that. The what if here, what if you're seeing tons of sign and smelling elk, but not getting any responses? Mm-hmm. I mean, you pretty much answer that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only that thing that we didn't say what I would do in that situation, <laughs> though. And, you know, just because I'm not hearing any responses doesn't mean that elk aren't responding. Exactly. I mean, again, it's time of year, but I could use certain scenarios just like what happened to me this year, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I killed a bull this year that never made a noise, but I knew that the elk were there, went in, did a, a breeding scenario. You know, I, st- I sounded like one of our love straighted scenarios. That bull is just love straighted. And next thing you know, here they come, man. And, uh, get an opportunity at 30 yards. So there's things that you can do. If I'm seeing all kinds of sign in the air, if I'm catching smells of elk and I think the elk are there, then I'm going to go ahead and do some of my own um, scenarios, paint a picture and try to bring Always. that into me. Yeah. You got to keep working, man. Keep, keep after them. You know, just because if you know their sign, you see fresh scat, you see fresh dropping, you smell elk urine, you smell the elk, you seeing trees blown up, stuff like, I mean, fresh trees blown up, and you see their tracks. I mean, they're there. You just 
Got to keep working. Find that hot button, man. But put on your own scenarios, and a lot of times they're going to come in silent. So be ready, you know, but give them time. The, the longer they are away from the rut, the less they're going to come roaring right up in there. It may take them 30, 40 minutes to come get closer and closer and closer. See well, what's up. And, so and you might have time. a better hey. chance of one that's by themselves than right. one that's cowed up, you know, right. as well. But, you know, the, the thing is, is when you're doing a scenario setup and you're creating that reason for that animal to come to you, you have to believe in that and you have to know that animals can and will come into you and they will, can, right. they will come into you silent. I, uh, I would, uh, try to anticipate the route that he takes, uh, going to the to the bed so that way if he's silent i would just try to pinpoint you know based on sign and 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 play the wind try to to intercept that you know silent bull so you actually hit on something that is one of my favorite strategies is you know if we're having silent bulls we know that they're going and betting at a certain time right. right one of the things that i like to do is work First of all, on the outside of a bedding area with a scenario to see if I can pull an animal out. And if I don't, then I like to actually go through a bedding area just with real light cow calls, stopping, listening, and looking for that bull that's going to get up or bed and come and check and see what I am, right? So that's a great, great strategy too as well. You're not doing, you're not setting up any of that or doing any of that. Unless you're either have a confirmation of there's actually elk calling or you're getting like the sign that tells you there's fresh animals within the past day or so, right? You're not just, cause I think that might be misinterpreting like what is fresh sign to like what we, cause we're not just out there doing cold calls. Right. We know like this year, whenever me and Joel set up in Idaho, I just told him like, we never heard an elk bugle. I was like, this is the spot. We're going to call a bull in right here because like you could pick up fresh steaming dung, right? You knew they were there. (laughs) Yeah, they are. So that's, I think guys make that mistake. They see like two week old stuff and they think that that's fresh sign. Yeah. And they yeah. set up on that, which not isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you haven't seen anything better than that, what what are you doing then, Joe? If well, if I'm doing a scenario, it's most definitely because I'm finding fresh track with fresh <laughs> urine and fresh droppings, or I'm okay. smelling out <laughs> coming in a direction. But yes. if I am moving through, if I'm moving going through and and I move up to areas on the north side and I start hunting through bedding areas, it's not necessarily because I'm seeing fresh sign. I'm moving through bedding areas trying to drum one up and just moving through that area, giving cow calls as I'm doing it. And then if I do come across fresh sign while I'm doing that, then I might go ahead and do a scenario. But, you know, it's just like when I, when I start out in the morning, when I start out in the morning, you've been with me, Cole, man, as I'm moving, I'm cow calling, I'm choking. Right. So when I 100%. get to the bedding area, I slow it down huge when I'm doing that. Yeah. I just don't want anybody to misinterpret and think that like we just go through an area that feels good to us. Right. And we set up and try to make it like we're seeing the proper signs to tell us that, Hey, it's time to pump the brakes and do a scenario. Yeah. And, and then if we don't have any luck, then we'll push a little further, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. we got. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. got elk responding, so it and creates a, a way for us to set a scenario. I'm going to do a scenario because I've either smelled, heard, or seen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And that scene is either physically seeing that animal, you know, or, or hearing or that fresh animal. Sign. What's that? Or fresh sign. Yeah, or seeing fresh sign that tells me that those critters are within distance that they're going to hear me, Right. So, um, and it depends on what's happening that time of day. Like, you know, if I'm on their same level or in an area, but if I think it's a time of day where they're moving up, then I'm going to probably go up and try to work those bedding areas. Beto, I see a what if that has your name all over it. It's the one that says, what if you look up to see a bull staring at you and you don't have an arrow knocked? What should you do? Been there, done that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely answer that. Well, you know, when that happens to you, you got to really, uh, you got to really focus and you got to really concentrate on being still, man. Cause he's looking to try and figure out what either made that sound or, you know, if you were calling, I don't know what the scenario is by the bulls looking up. Or movement. Yeah. You don't, when he's staring at you, the last thing you want to do is make any type of furtive movements that would alert him. So that happened to us. A bull walks in the set and we're videotaping some ducks in a wallow. And uh, I'm serious. Video, we've been calling for like 45 minutes, man. All these scenarios, raking trees and all kinds of stuff. Winds gassing out of the north. I mean, it's probably blowing 20, 25 miles an hour, gusting up to maybe 30, 35. And so I happen to look to my right and this bull comes walking in the set and he doesn't even know we're there. And look, there's three of us. Actually, yeah, there's three of us standing there. So... We're smart enough not to be standing in the wide open. We're sitting in a a, a, a little evergreen there, uh, have an evergreen backdrop, and then we're sitting in the aspens. So when he walked in there, he stopped. He just looked right at us. And if any one of us would have moved during that time, it's it's over, you know. But we stayed real calm, stayed real collected, and the bull walked right past us at about twelve yards, and he walked right into that wallow, and he shoved his head down in the middle of that wallow. Well, it was we ain't nobody got it. Brendan didn't even have his bow up; it was sitting down by his side. Me and RC did have our bows, so we're going to have to knock an arrow, right? So we just started moving really slow. Well, in the process of moving really slow, <clears throat> RC rubs up against one of them aspen trees and he goes <laughs> while he's trying to reach and knock an arrow. And that bull shot his head up and looked over there at us, but we froze again, man. And it was hilarious. He got, he's got lettuce hanging out of his mouth and dripping and everything. He's looking at us like, man, what was that? I heard something, but the wind's gassing too. Right. So he's still a little confused. He goes right back to eating. And so now we're back at it. We're trying to get an arrow knock, you know, so I get an arrow knock. RC gets an arrow knock and RC's going to draw a bulls at 21 yards, kind of quartering away. RC goes to draw and I'll be dead gum if he don't hit that dead gum tree again. <laughs> and 
That bull jerks his head up again, right? And RC stops, doesn't even move a muscle. The bull jerks his head up again. And I'm telling you, we just froze like statues. And we'd be like, all three of us are going, no, 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 don't move, don't move. I mean, we're talking, but it's, you know, real low guttural talk, you know. That we're... So our, the bull lets his head back down and eats again, and RC lets his bow down because he can't get drawn in that position. So I go to get myself in a position where I can draw on the bull. RC's actually standing on my left and Brendan's on the right. I'm in the middle. And I kind of scoot over towards RC. Well, when I did, my arrow was not yet all the way on, uh, like where you push up. I, I use a QAD wrist where you push it up and rotate it up where it's in position. So it fell on the riser. When it fell on the riser, it went tink, tink, like that, and the bull shot his head up again. You know? This time he was not liking it, right? He was like, man, something is really up, right? But again, we were froze, used our camo, we froze again, and the next time RC tried to draw again, and then he heard RC move around, and when he did, RC got to full draw, but the bull boogered. When the bull boogered, he ran out there probably, it was 53 yards. I stopped him with a cow call. And RC goes, he's too far for me. He's too far. I said, I thought he was about 50 yards. And uh, luckily, Brendan had already had his range finder out, and I was at full draw. Brendan said 53. I sent it, and it was over. But that took, I guarantee you, that took every bit of two or three minutes you know, four or five, That's four minutes. It is an eternity <laughs> when a bull has got you pegged and he knows exactly what you are. It must be but something about RC because you had a similar situation <laughs> with RC at the top of the mountain too. Uh, when you guys got to that top of that, uh, little hill. Yeah, what? exactly. If y'all keep your nerve and you stay quiet and let the elk settle down, he, he'll go back to doing what he was going to be doing. So don't move when he's standing still looking at you. Let the bull go doing what he, then you can start to get yourself in a position to where you can knock an arrow, right? We actually, this year, we actually let those cows walk by us, right? They came walking right up to us and we don't have an arrow knocked or nothing. We're about to die. We, he and I both are climbing this big old hill. So we're standing there huffing and puffing. Neither one of us have an arrow knocked. And these two cows walk in front of us at eight yards, man. And they both look at us like a calf looking at the new gate. And like, they're like, Oh my God, who are they? But again, we were in our camo and standing in some thicker brush and I, there was no way we're knocking an arrow there. So we had to let the cows pass. Once the cows got past, we did knock an arrow, but that little calf saw me move when I did get, get to draw, got ready to draw. She saw me move and I, I learned something real, real, uh, real well there is you just let them walk all the way off and then you can call them back to you. You don't have to try and, and get it done right there, but. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The main you know, thing is it, don't let the bull see you move. It's funny the different perspectives because when I, it's funny what you saw when you saw this question and what I see because I've had it so many times when I'm going through the woods and I'm coming through with the brush and, and, and all of a sudden I look up and there's a bull standing there just staring at me or I've been doing a scenario and I didn't give it enough time and I stand up, I take a step and I look and there's a bull standing there staring at me. You know, like what we did, um, you can remember it was us and Brandon and we were going down that one trail, that two track and then come around the brush and there's a big bull because we've been calling. He's just standing right there looking at us, right? Just like that. And that's, that's kind of what was in my head is how sometimes you can come up and you can kind of come through the, the, the trees and there's a bull standing there looking at you or has watched you walking up to that bull, you know, for a while now. And, and I've seen that where they'll sit there and they'll just stand there while you're moving and coming in because they don't really know what you are. Um, and you know, the moment that you stop sometimes they'll mm-hmm. like, I'll get nervous and boom, they're out of there. I've actually, because I have two ways to think about this, man, is that I know that if I don't do anything, that bull, like in that situation, generally, they're going to bust me and they're gone. I'm never going to see them again. So I have actually knocked an arrow, pulled back, and killed a bull while it stared at me um, yeah. because I kept moving when that happened. And I just did it. I just I, – I was like, I'm not going to get a chance, you know. So, you know, as soon we had as I, an there, I looked up, off. I just, what's that? We had, you and I had an eight-minute stare down with a bull. I mean, staring directly at eight but minutes see, long. But that's, right? that's not a bull, though, that, that's not a bull that, like, spotted us, you know, no, uh-uh. just staring no at us we because there. we come uh-huh. up, right? That's a bull that came up looking for us. So sure what I did. When I heard the question, to me it was like you're going, you look up, and there's a bull staring at you, and you gotcha. don't have arrow knock. And yeah, I can you tell you, get it knocked. Yeah, yep. or you have no chance. So to me, it's different with a cow than it is a bull. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. bulls will let you get away with some movement where a cow. It's just yeah, she's out. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They throw caution to the wind. They're out of there. Yeah, I, I've been in those scenarios, and one thing I know for sure is if they see you moving while they're standing still, it's a big no-no. But you can get away with some movement if they're moving. Uh, and I, I, I just know that if I'm still enough that they allow me to get an arrow knock, that – I look, then you got to draw, right? So no matter what, you got to get your bow drawn back, whether you've knocked an arrow, uh, you know, with him looking at you or not. But you have nothing to lose – you know, I mean, if you're up there and you you don't feel like he's going to move on or, you know, you can kind of gauge him, too, when he's looking at you. Is he getting you to try to move? Is he moving his head, ducking around? I mean, there are a lot of things, that, you know, is his ears laid back? Is he in full alert? I mean, there are a lot of ways to gauge how that bull's feeling, too. And that's mostly how I've seen them is I come up and, man, they're just like this. <laughs> they have those ears and they're just like stop head up and yeah. they're just looking at you like that. Yeah. Now you can always, you know, what Cole did in our last podcast, you know, oh, 
I mean, you just bark yeah. at that sucker when you see him like that. Just lock him up yeah. for a second because it's sure. a bull. And if it's in yeah. the rut and he thinks that, you know, because you got that dog on bow, have you ever seen what guys do with moose? How they'll take yeah. and hold their, their bow and stuff Bull up there. Up. You know, I think sometimes you can buy yourself some time just by confusing them. So, sure. you know, it, it doesn't hurt to try. It otherwise, oh, man, you got nothing to I keep Manano confused. <laughs> <laughs> I see another good one here, Joe. Uh, guys say, what if I can see bulls feeding 400 yards off, but they could care less about the calls I'm making? Are you Cold thinking of the world. same time I'm thinking of when you, when you? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it don't matter if they not, if they're not, uh, if they're not responding to you, you go to them, you know, and, and keep, keep doing what you're doing. But you see them 400 yards off, man, get after them. Well, if you're seeing bulls together that aren't responding to your calls, that's because of the time of year they're, they're buddied up still and they're really not caring about the, you know, the cow call or, or like I've, we've done this. I don't know if you remember, but there's an incident where somebody gave me a decoy and set me up in a bad situation. And, uh, I've never to this day blamed them for that, but, uh, <laughs> we come up, we come over an area and we look down and there's three bulls down in this bottom down there. So what do we do? We cow call. They put their head up and they look and they go back to feeding. So what do we do? We scream at them, right? They bring their head up, go back to feet. They could care less. So and they're about what two fifty from us, Joe? About that, two fifty, three hundred, yeah. probably, yeah. right down in the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So what we decided to do was, we're going to just if if it wasn't a single cow call, if it wasn't that uh, a bull, you know, bugling was going to get them to do anything, then we were going to go to their herding instinct, to their herd instinct. And we put Chav further down the hill. We told Chav to go ahead and get down. I went way back further up there. We set up a decoy and started sounding like a herd up there, you know, and had the decoy so that they could see the decoy, in fact. Now, when that bull heard all that racket and saw that decoy, yeah, at, at first, coming. he was coming. Yeah. 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 And, and then Gilbert messed the whole situation up, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure did. <laughs> oh man, that bull come, he was roaring right up to Chav. I was like, man, Chav's gonna kill him any second, right? He got within, I don't know, 40 yards of Chav, maybe 45. Yeah, about 40 yards, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, why is that this 30. Bull? Yeah. Yeah, I said, why is this bull not getting an arrow through him? And then all of a sudden he locks up, man. He locks up and he looks and boom, he takes off hauling butt, man. I'm like, what in the world happened? The wind's in our face. Everything's good. And then, uh, for sure, man, there's a big silhouette that's right behind the decoy because we're, we're silhouetted right out in the middle of the sunlight and you can see Joe standing through the middle of the decoy, man. It's hilarious, dude. Well, it was, Joe's it like, was, oh my we God. Didn't have the sun up when we started and then the sun rose behind us during the setup and it yeah. just it lit me up behind that decoy man like <laughs> yeah. but, but the point i want to make is if you got bulls that could care less that you're calling to it it's probably time of year um yeah. it might even be a bull with cows that doesn't want to get away from them so you've got to change your tactic you got to go to towards one of their other modes that's going to do that and if it's a bull with cows that might mean either you got to bring the cows to you or you got to go in and get to that bull's bubble and and work on that 
fight or flights, you know, really challenge or, or start, um, uh, calling his cows to you when you get in his bubble, right? So that, well, what would you, what would you do if you saw him out there 400 yards? Yeah. I mean, that'd be the, the tactic that, that I would use is just to, you know, try to make, uh, make something that, you know, is almost irresistible. I think, you know, that they have to come kind of check out. Yeah. Uh, I would pretty much dump everything at the sink at them, you know, if that was my only, that was my only target of the day, you know, I would sit there and work it until it was dead. I'll tell you another thing. Y'all don't sleep on old Ninja over there. He'll, he'll sneak you right in the middle of them 400 yards and he'll sneak in there. You don't That's say the a other word. Option. Yeah. Kill him like a thief in the yeah. night, son. I'm telling you straight <laughs> up. I've been there and done it with Mr. Chavez there. I'm telling you, we snuck right in the, in the middle of a herd of elk and they never even knew we were there. Uh, the Ninja can do it. Sure. Topography <laughs> has a big impact, though, right? If, oh, yeah, uh, for if sure. It's out in yeah, the open had, field. Had to have the right stuff, yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because if you're going However, to like a herd, it helps to pull them past where they can't yeah. see. If if you're making sounds where they can see and they don't see another elk, that's where the decoy paid off. If you're yeah, in an right. area where you're making sounds and they can't see another elk, you've just blown it right there. Yeah. So yeah. topography is real critical to that. What if the elk are running hard and you have multiple opportunities and jump balls on only the first day? Shot or pass? Personal choice. Yeah. Shoot or pass. If what if the round is going down? Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I get it. it depends, right? I mean, if you ask me and probably most of us in this group, we'll say we'll shoot, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Yep. You know, because it depends on the level of difficulty of where you're hunting. Colorado, I mean, yeah, we, we you know, we were shooting. Shooting a legal bull. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, a legal bull, that's correct. But it, it depends. So, you know, Beto was in, what, four years, Beto, before you decided to take a shot and passed yeah. on several bulls? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it just depends on where you're made at. Joe, and you, made Joe and RC nuts. Well, but I think understand, it, for four years, he went home with nothing. Did. Correct. Did it. And but look, by I choice. Was okay by, yeah, it was by choice. And he was okay by it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's where you are in your hunting careers, guys. You know, and no no right answer is the right, you know, wrong answer or right answer in this. Where, where you are in your hunting life? career, dude, you had not killed an elk. Man, you were driving us nuts, dude. Had not <laughs> ever killed an elk. Acting <laughs> like <laughs> in my hunting my career. money, my hunt. It, my- it is what it is, baby. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> if I wanted to go home, eat tag soup, I was going to do it. it. For me, Joe, it was about the experience. And, I know exactly know. what it was, dude. Yeah, and and I, I after I killed that bull, it sent me into a killing spree, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I love to eat elk meat, and uh, for me, guys, if an elk, a legal elk gets in in my way, now don't get me wrong. If I see a big bull, he's in trouble because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will forego shooting a smaller one to get a big one. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, if a, a smaller bull walks in, he's gonna get the missile because uh, I like eating elk meat. It don't matter if it's if it's legal elk, I'm I'm shooting him the first day. Especially archery, guys. Every bull you kill, or every cow you kill with a bow is a, a trophy, man. Yeah. yeah. If, if they speak one doing. word to me, that that I'm harvesting that elk. Like if a cow cow calls to me and I call her in, she's getting yeah. it. 
if a yeah. boy responds to me and comes in, he's getting it. Yeah. Like if I talk to them and we communicate, yeah. then it's going down. Love That's that. Way love that, Cole. <laughs> I, you know, what I love about this question, though, is that I'm not able to tell you how many times and how many people that I've talked to that have said that they showed up on their first day and things were going berserk, man. And so they had all these multiple opportunities, bulls coming by them. They were younger bulls. They were, you know, still nice class bulls, but they, you know, they figured that, man, if it's this good right now, the rest of this hunt is going to be awesome. So and then it can shut off. In and then zero. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Man. Ask, yeah. ask the kid, Kilpatrick, how he, yeah, you how he knows about it. Zero that. to zero real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing that you got to realize is again, this has to do with time of year, but especially if you're hunting early and animals are going off. That's because there is a cow in estrus. Yeah. That cow is only going to be in estrus for less than 20 hours, right? And once that cow comes out of estrus, then everything's going to go quiet, all right? Unless Until the next one does. Yeah. yeah. Until the next one does. So, you know, what you have today, and, and look, as a guide, I tell my guys constantly, do not pass on the first day what but you're you going to shoot on the last, exactly. right? Because then you end up in a situation where you're you're constantly going, well, I should have. If there's any question in your mind, unless you have it, you've already convinced yourself, no, this is what, like Gil said, that okay. he, he was wanting that particular animal. Drove us nuts, but he was wanting that particular animal, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're in that situation and you're happy with it and you can go home and say, hey, Case Rothra had a blast. But, you know, if you're in early, I would tell you, if you're early in your elk hunting career, harvest an animal. Yeah, man, get them down. Because once you start doing that and you start finding, you know, how that works and get that Dang going. It. It just gets easier. Gain the confidence. Yeah. That's right, Manano. It gets easier. I, I really <laughs> like this one, man. And I, I'm not able to tell you how many people this is happening to out there. And they don't admit it or they don't know. But what if your diaphragm call gets stretched? It sounds horrible and you're three miles from camp. So, you ain't carried enough of them with you. Let me. What you do is you take and you bend it where you stretch that latex back out and then you just barely tweak it just a little bit. And then you're good to go for the, that rest after afternoon or till the next day. Would you repeat that again for the so, people out there? Yeah. Oh, so cool, I, yeah. yeah, what I do is I'll tweak the frame to where I can tell it's not Basically, I restretch the the latex on it, and I'll either bend the frame or I'll try to stretch it a little bit. You can only do it with something that has an aluminum frame. Uh, but if you think it's wore out, believe it or not, you can kind of tweak that frame and get that latex to stretch just a minute amount um, and be able to, you know, I've had them last a day, maybe two days after that. Joe, Joe uh, would, you would just try. borrow you a use. be real careful because – <laughs> no, I, and I don't carry just one, fellas. I yeah, carry, I don't, yeah, I I don't carry three or four 
three but I can tell you, I've got 10 on me at all times. A, a lot of people are screaming on them a lot, and sometimes they only carry one with them. But I, And I can tell you this, what you're going to lose is the top of your bugle. You're going to mm. have a hard time hitting a high note. So mm. it, it doesn't mean that you have to hit that high note, and it doesn't have to be – you know, a location bugle, again, you can work, you can still get some cow sounds out of that. You can mm-hmm. still do that. You can still get some of those other sounds off of there. You can get the growls, you can get the huffs, you can get little lazy bugles, just where you're, you know, you need the low noise. Yeah. Just like that. So it yeah. doesn't One, necessarily have to be. The one thing I know I won't do is go back to camp for three miles. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, and, and I carry an external too, guys. I mean, I carry a, a, a hand blown external call. So, you know, whether you pick up a green weenie or make it a bull crazy or Carlton, uh, hyper call, I mean, either one of those calls are amazing and you keep them in your pack and you got them for when you need them. There's raking, there's glunking, there's different, yeah. you know, cow noises yeah. you can still make with that diaphragm, even though it's not hitting that top sound on a bugle, right? Well, I don't know about, I don't know about y'all, but Cole, Joe, y'all carry multiple diaphragms when you're yeah. out anyway, yeah. right? Yes. I carry three different companies. Yeah. Me too. Uh, and probably five, you know, four to five of each company. Yeah. Yeah. I have my favorite. I make sure that your... I have I have three of my favorite broke in, yeah. and then I have like two really light um, yeah, that yeah. you know if I'm in tight with a cow and I really want to sound really real light cow calls or calf. Sugar, then, sugar, sugar, yeah, sugar, sugar, sugar. Sugar's coming. Sugar. I love the sugar. I, I yeah. I and that's the question, Joe. Uh, is the sugar going to be available for? What yes, sir. Absolutely. 2023. Yep. Okay. It'll be ready for 2023, man. And well, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, we have the grinder that is our signature um, call right now. It It's a great call for, you know, working, grinding out there day in, day out. And we have the the yeah. other half of that coming, which is our sugar. And what that is, buddy, is a cow call, calf call that is so sweet. That's why we call it sugar, man. And I it, love it. It was just awesome. So that's was, what our, our two that you can carry with you and you can do anything. And, and you can, I mean, you can make really good sounds right off the bat. I mean, you that's really don't have to break it in that much. I mean, even Manano can make sounds with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's saying something, man. Right, it is. <laughs> no, but Joe, I, this is a this is a really do what you can't scream a lot on it because you're blowing out. Right. You can't, but man, it's an amazing cow call, and yep. uh, the lower register cow calls that you can make with it is man, I just that's it's sexy. It really is more, more of a closer. Do yeah, what? It's a closer. That's it exactly is more of a closer, closer call. Yeah, yep. no doubt. One hundred. I like that call. Yeah. Uh, Joe, there's a, a really good question here about, you know, what if, you know, elk were screaming yesterday in the same spot and it's crickets today? Would you leave or would you stay? Well, I think we kind of just talked about that one. Uh, that's a lot like what we were talking about before, you know, when we were talking about, hey, you know, you've got bulls screaming now, shoot or pass. Well, you know, because the next day can go crickets like that. For sure. And I mean, if 
you have bulls that are in the area that were screaming, those animals are still around that area somewhere. You know, so I'm getting out there and doing what we were talking about before. I'm getting out there. I'm working until I find the sign. I'm working the areas they should be in. I'm finding those bedding areas, and I'm going to be doing my scenarios. So just because they shut up don't mean they're not there. That doesn't mean they're not there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, again, you've heard me say this. If you want to consistently kill elk, learn to kill quiet elk. Yeah. Right. Oh, I agree. 100% 100% and learn to keep moving to find them. Cause yep. I mean, you just one more ridge over and things can change in 30 seconds, man. Yep. You know, I think we'll call it a night, Gil. One more, Joe. I'm going to get you to answer oh, really? this one more. Yeah. What if, <laughs> I, if you have a bull screaming and a hard rain comes in, keep after it or would you wait? Chav, I think that's a, uh, just kind of wait the rain out, then, then go after it. Cause, uh, there's a tendency for them to let up their defenses after a rainfall. And, uh, it, and also rainfall kind of, it seems like the, the wind dies down too, you know, and kind of settles the thermals and all that. So, uh, you know, I just get after it, you know, but I would wait the rain out or, you know, if it's, if it's with it, if it's visible, you can actually get, get in much closer. Yeah, if it's visible and, and, and it's around. rain, you yeah. can work in on that animal. Yeah. 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 Right. They won't hear you at all. Yeah, the and noise. The scent, is and the, the scent won't be a problem. Yeah, because the whole woods are alive with scent then. Lighten those. Yeah, I'm out on the lighting, fellas. I'm hunkering down. I'm going to get in Manano's hammock and maybe have Cole's tarp with me and wait it out. And it depends on what kind of rain. If it's a drizzling rain, I'm still hunting. If it's a drizzling rain. Yeah. If it's a hard rain, I'm just, I'm putting everything underneath my poncho. I'm sitting down and I'm waiting it out because that's what those critters are going to do too. Just what they're talking about is hard rain. Yeah, hard rain. And what's really cool, man, is sometimes after those rains, when it gets really, really cool and cold, those critters start popping off. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, it's really cool when that starts happening. So, um, yeah, if if I have a bull that's screaming, he ain't going to go anywhere. He ain't going to go run off just because it starts, um, you know, storming real hard. He's probably just going to bed down there well or, or just be walking a little bit. So, you know, the area where he's at. And you can kind of work in after that, after the scent goes down and possibly even get one speaking up because it's cool. It's cooled off some. But, you know, before we go, Gil, before you close us out, mm-hmm. I'll tell you something that a lot of people don't think about that I've had happen, too, is like I'm starting to work an animal and all of a sudden a jet or a plane comes over really loud and low. Vehicles I found on highways are different because they're constant noises and stuff. Mm-hmm. but. I don't think I've generally when I hear that happening in a, in, in an animal, I'm sorry, in a plane or a loud jet comes right over top. You know, when, when I'm there where elk are, I usually don't say a word. I just wait. And then I wait for a little bit after that sound has gone away before I start up again. I just think it's unnatural to call when you have that kind of interruption. I think it interrupts them. I think it, you know, shuts them up just a little bit myself. I remember a time Chav and I were hunting together. It was just before I'd killed the big bull, and uh, it was really raining, like pouring down rain. It even hailed on us. And we got up, 
right after it got done, we, we got under our, our ponchos and stuff and we got up out of where we were kind of took refuge and there was a double rainbow and I got a picture of Chav with that mm. double rainbow huh? behind him. And, uh, it's one of the most awesome pictures I've ever taken. It had a double <clears throat> rainbow behind him. And I remember as soon as we got up, man, it wasn't 15 minutes later, a bull popped off. Yep. And I'm like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. But all of that commotion and everything kind of lit them up, you know, and uh, we were able to get on them. We were running out of light. So we knew that those elk were in that area. And then the next morning, that's when we killed that big bull. So one of my uh, favorite days is when it's real super cloudy, kind of drizzly um, in the mornings that extends that that hunt in the morning because yeah. it's going to keep things cooler and it's going sure. to keep up animals from, you know, just wanting to get up someplace so quick. I, I love those cool, you know, dreary days, man. Me They're too. just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too, for sure. Well, those are fantastic questions. And I'm like Joe said, y'all keep, keep them coming. He'll probably have a part three here before you know it. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on the show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yes, sir. And for all our grinders out there, here's some more music from my brother, Tony Wintrip, to close out the show. All right, man. Peace, peace, everybody. Thanks. Uh I get my goods from the river and woods. I get my highs climbing a mountainside. I get my life. I'm family strong. The fall I'm gonna get my elk on. At daylight, I'm sitting just right. About to let an arrow fly. I get my goods. From the river and the woods. I get my goods. From the river.
once in a while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun. Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.